Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Well, why don't we stand and I'm just going to open uh, this word in prayer and we're going to dive into your script, the scripture. Father, we thank you for your word today, God. We thank you. We honor your word. We thank you, God, that your word uh, changes us, it challenges us, and it encourages us. So we thank you for that. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, this morning I want to start in uh, the, the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1 to 3, and I brought it up here on the screen for you. And uh, we're talking about Solomon. Now, Solomon was the son of David, and his responsibility was to really, he had two things he dreamed of, and that was to build the temple of the Lord and to build his own house. Those are the two things he wanted to accomplish. And after he had finished the, uh, the, the temple of the Lord, we were going to start in chapter 7, verse 1. It says, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. And, um, you know, it's very important, like we're looking at an Old Testament scripture, but we have to take it in a, in a New Testament context, in a sense, because the temple of the Lord in the Old Testament was built with brick and mortar, right? But the temple in the New Testament is the body. And, and the Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I want you to look at the, your neighbor and say, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, all right? And uh, we see that here, and we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. And it says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. That's what the Scripture says. Sometimes I don't feel like the temple. Maybe sometimes you don't feel like the temple. But we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. Next verse. And I will walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Isn't that good news? And therefore, come out from among them and, and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch which is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is a great promise. And so God is in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of God in the New Testament context. Now, let's go back to Second Chronicles. Chapter 7, we're going to go to verse 11 and 12. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, and Solomon successfully accomplished all that was in his heart to make the house of the Lord and his own house. Okay, And then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayers and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Okay. So we have to understand what happens. Beginning of chapter 7, he dedicates the temple. The glory of the Lord comes in, into the temple. When you got saved, when you gave your heart to Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, came to live within you, and you became the temple. The glory of the Lord has come, right? It's in you. And this is what he's saying here. The Lord appears to Solomon, and he tells him, I've chosen this place for myself. Look at your neighbor and say, you're chosen. Okay? We're chosen by God. Now, Verse 13 says, When I shut up the heavens and there's no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, 
Okay? In other words, in dry seasons in your life, how many have been through a dry season? Okay? Through dry seasons, in seasons of lack, okay, in seasons of pestilence and plague, which we can relate to. Verse 14, look what it says. If my people, who's my people? That's us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And so the title of my message today is um, The Recipe for Revival. And, and God, ha- God gives us a recipe here. And the, the thing with recipes, uh, if you do baking, I do, I do more cooking than baking. But specifically with baking, you can't just put all the right ingredients in the wrong order, right? You, you have to, you know, put your dries, mix your dries, and then you put your liquids, and then you mix your liquids. You can't just do it in the wrong order or you just get a clumpy mess, right? How many can relate to that? And I believe as we read this, there's actually a divine order, a recipe that we want to kind of look at in Scripture and see this. So the first ingredient, say the first ingredient, okay? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that is the key, okay? What does that look like? James chapter 4, verse 6. You have that scripture here? But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. The Bible says that we're to submit to God and then resist the devil, and he will flee from us. So God wants us to be humble. He wants us to have a position of humility, and that's where everything starts, okay? And in order to, be, to, to accept God, you have to have humility. I'm going to look at uh, 2, Corinthians chapter, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to give you an example here right from Scripture um, where Egypt is attacking Judah. So Egypt, Egypt is attacking Judah, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself. He was strengthening himself, okay? That he forsook the law of the Lord and all of Israel along with him, okay? And it happened in the fifth year of King Roboam that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because he had transgressed against the Lord. And they brought 1,200 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, people without number who came with him out of Egypt, And they're coming to attack the land, okay? Now look at verse 5. Then Shemaiah the prophet came to Rehoboam and the leaders of Judah who were gathered together in Jerusalem because of Shishak. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, you have forsaken me, and therefore I have left you in the hand of Shishak. You have rejected me, the Lord says, so I've just stepped back and leaving you in the hands of the enemy. And look what the next verse says. So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves. Say, humbled themselves. Okay? And they said, the Lord is righteous. And that's what humility is. Humility is coming to a place in your life where you recognize God's right and I'm not. Sometimes I can be wrong, you know, and, and God is right. He's righteous. And, and they were pursuing, the king was pursuing his own kingdom. He was pursuing his own life, and he was forsaking the Lord. And he got to a place here where they humbled themselves and said, the Lord is righteous. There was a time in my life where I was rebelling against God. I wouldn't go to church. I wouldn't read the scripture. But I had grown up in a Christian home. And right in my 19th year, going into my 20th year, I was so overwhelmed because of drugs and alcohol. I was dealing drugs. I was 
far from God. And my mother and father raised me. They were in the ministry. And I was overwhelmed and I was depressed and I was suicidal in my thoughts and I just hated life and I just felt like darkness had enveloped me. That's how I lived. And I got home. I was in my basement apartment one day and I just humbled myself. I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't like church. I don't like your people. I don't like any of that. But you know what? If you, if Jesus, if you're real like my parents say you are, I give you my heart. Just come and change me. I just surrender everything. And no word of a lie, I literally felt like electricity hit me at the top of the head and went all the way down to the bottom of my feet and came up and dissipated and lifted all the depression and the cloudiness and the feelings of hatred that I was dealing with and just lifted. It was a supernatural experience, and I stood there like a calf at a new gate. Like, what is this? And I didn't know what had happened. And I couldn't even, and as I told people, they thought I was crazy. I was like, they're like, you know, you're, you're living in a, you know, this is like weird. But I had an experience with God because I made a choice that I was going to humble myself. And I humbled myself. And we need to humble ourselves. We have to come to a place where we say in every area of life, God, you're right. And I'm not necessarily always right. So I submit to you. And that's the first ingredient. Say the first ingredient is humility. Okay. And so let's see what happened here to this king here. Verse 6, of the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, the Lord is righteous. Now when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, remember grace comes, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah saying, they have humbled themselves before, therefore I will not destroy, but I will grant them some deliverance. Listen, if you want deliverance from your enemies, if you want deliverance from uh, that which is oppressing you, you need to humble yourself and say, God, I surrender it. It's yours. And this is what these, the king did. And because of that, they had some deliverance. All right? Now, let's go back here to our second point in Second Chronicles chapter 7, back to verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. See, you, this is why it's in order. If you don't humble yourself and say, I need help, you're not going to ask for help. And what is prayer? Prayer is really just having conversation and communication with God. It's coming to God and saying, God, I need your help. I need your support. A person who's not humble will never ask for help, right? And prayer, in a sense, is really asking uh, for the hand of God to become the provider in your life. Okay, God, I really need your help. I need you to come. That was my cry. God, I, I, I just, I'm depressed. I'm in a bad place. Maybe my, would you help me? And I began to ask for help, and God helped me, right? And that's where it all starts. And so when we look at, um, when we look at this next verse in John chapter 16, verse 23 and 24, it says, And in that day, Jesus says, you will ask me nothing. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you, next verse, until now you've asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. See, God wants to answer your prayer. God wants you to have joy in your life. And here's here's a little note. He might not answer your prayer the way you want to or when he wants you to, but he will be your provider. And any of us who've been around long enough, think back over the years and we say, hey, he showed up there. 
He showed up here. He met my need. Right? But as you're seeking the hand of God, it's, it's looking for provision. It's about communication. It's about talking. It's getting to know God. What happens is then you desire to seek his face. Because what happens is your prayers begin to be answered. You're beginning to see the hand of God. You're beginning to see peace come and joy come in your life. And then you're like, I kind of really like this guy. Can I just be real? That You really go from, you know, seeking conversation and that to, to wanting to see the face of God. So you humble yourself. You begin to seek the hand of God for provision because you need it. You can't do it on your own. And in seeking the hand of God, you see his goodness. And then you say, I want to know him intimately. And then you begin to fall in love with God. Isn't it like that in a natural relationship? I guarantee you guys, if you walk up to a girl and you try to seek her face and give her a kiss without saying anything, you in trouble. She can be pretty, you can think, but you do not, there's, there's a process. You need to build a relationship. You have to communicate. You have to spend time with her. And then, then she's like, yeah, you can kiss me now, right? There's a process, all right? Don't want to end up with a lawsuit, so you make sure... You do it the right way, the right ingredient at the right time. And so we humble ourselves and we begin to pray. We begin to talk to God. And then we begin to, we begin to um, uh, know him intimately. And then we go to the next ingredient. So if my people who will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then you will turn from your wicked ways. And so what happened in my personal life was that I really encountered God. I had that experience and other experiences, and I felt peace, the things I was longing for, in peace on the inside. I had peace. I'm going to know Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And so I would come home from work, and my friends would call and say, hey, Travis, we're going to a movie. You want to come to see a movie? And I'm like, yeah, you know, go by yourself. I've got an appointment. Who, who do you have an appointment? Never mind. Just go off. And so they'd go to the movies. And I would stay home, and I like to play my guitar, and I would just sing worship songs. I'd read my Bible. You know, I'd talk to my friends that were Christians about Scripture. And I was just consumed with spending time with God. And after a couple of weeks of doing that, just spending time with the Lord, and I was single, didn't have kids, so I could do that. Uh, had lots of time. And I would just spend a lot of time with the Lord. And then it came to a Friday night about a week later. So I'm going to watch a movie tonight. So I took one of my VHS. Remember VHS? VHS and beta, remember those days? Be kind, rewind. Right? Anyway, I put it in, rewinded it. I was going to watch a movie that I liked. It was a good movie, great movie. And the movie came on, and within a few minutes I heard, you know, the Lord's name in vain, and then I heard the F-bomb. And something in me just went, yeah. I don't want that. That's disgusting. And I got mad. I took the tape out and smashed it. But what had happened was it wasn't like, I'm not going to listen to swearing because God asked me not to. It's because I don't want to. Because I've built a relationship. I've sought the face of God. I've experienced the holiness of God. I've experienced relationship with God. And I, that just turns me off. Do you hear, do you see, so you see the progression. You humble yourself. You pray. You start seeking the hand of God. And in doing that, you begin to want to seek his face. You want to have a relationship. And after a little bit of time, you know, you're spending time with God, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to hang out with these people anymore. I don't want to do this because it defiles me because I've been with the King of Kings. 
And, and this is the process that we need to be in in believers, to stay in that place of humbling ourselves and looking to God for provision, seeking His face for intimacy. And in doing so, sin will fall off your life. You won't desire it anymore. And I say that because so many times I talk to people and say, hey, come on to church. And they're like, i got to clean up my stuff first. I really want to come, but i got issues in life. i got, you know... Just let me deal with my stuff, and I'll come soon. It's like, no, no, come as you are. Come to church. Come, you know, just come. God accepts you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Just come on. He's going to work on you, right? And as you fall in love with Jesus, everything changes. Is that good news or what? So this is, this is what, the, what, the, what it's all about, and... Um, there's a thing we talk about here. We talk about dead works. Have you ever heard that scripture? You know that we don't want to have any dead works in our life. We want to have living works. I want to explain to you what a dead work is, okay? Um, A dead work, according to scripture, are not rewarded in eternity. A dead work is a work that has no life. And as Christians, we're trying to work for the Lord. We're trying to do things to please the Lord. So I'm going to list them off. A dead work is a work that you do for God without joy. You have no joy. Why? Because you, you don't have an intimate relationship with God, right? So there's no joy. You're just doing it because it has to be done or for whatever reason. It's uh, work done out of compulsion. You know, uh, Pastor Peter had just said during the offering, we don't want you to feel pressured to give. It, it, God loves a cheerful giver. So just give out of your heart. God looks for that, okay? It's work done out of uh, fear of judgment. That's another dead work, you know? Um, when I was in Bible school, first year, I was out evangelizing all the time. And I was kind of one of the guys who was put in charge of leading the evangelism teams or whatever, and I went out and I did that. And uh, people thought, oh, man, he's so awesome. You know, he loves God. He's out sharing the gospel and handing out tracts every night and all this. But what they didn't know is I was doing it out of fear of God and not a good fear of God. I was doing it because I I was afraid if I don't go out and tell everybody, then God's going to judge me. He's going to be angry with me. I wasn't doing it out of love for him. You see the difference? And, and so, so a work done out of fear of judgment or a work done for personal recognition. These are what we call dead works. But a living work is a work that's done out of love and faith. We're doing what we're doing because we love, because we have faith, and we want to see lives changed. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's go there. Verse 13 to 15. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Okay? Now, I want you to know this is a judgment for Christians, but it's not a judgment to condemnation because we're saved. Say hallelujah. We're going to heaven. But this is still yet a type of judgment. Look at this. Okay? Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Okay? If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but as someone barely escaping through the flames of fire. So the scripture isn't clear, but we do understand from scripture, New Testament scripture, that there's rewards in eternity for the work we do here. There are rewards. 
And I just want to, you know, we're going to go to heaven and some people are going to have great rewards and others won't have great rewards because their works were done. They were dead works. They did it not motivated out of love, not motivated out of a relationship with God. And so why I'm sharing this with you today is I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage everybody here that we're in a season right now where God is calling us into deeper intimacy with him. A place of prayer to humble ourselves and say, God, I'm coming to you for answers. And God, I'm going to seek your face. I want to talk to you. I want to be in relationship with you. And as we do that, the turning from our wicked ways is very simple. It's just second nature because it happens in that process. All right? Um, First Corinthians, or let's go back to Chronicles chapter 7, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If my people who are called by my name will humble, let's say it together, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Look what he says. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. So if God's people would begin to pray and begin to seek His face, and be, then, then healing can come. The benefit of that, well, healing will come to our land. Isn't that good news? We want to see revival. We want to see lives change. We want to see the transformation in our nation. Then we as God's people need to humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from their wicked ways. And look what he says in verse 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house. Look at your neighbor and say, you're chosen and you're sanctified. All right? He says, I've chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Isn't that good news? And so we have to think about relationship with God like we would think about natural relationship. And you know, when I was... uh, in bridal college, or Bible college. <laughs> you know, my wife, I mean, I saw her come in, and she was like, and she still is, gorgeous. Like, she's six feet tall, blonde hair, and I noticed all, so many guys, like, she'd walk by, and they'd all be like, oh, look, Camilla, you know. They, and it was like, I, I, I was like, I, I want to get to know this girl. And I would start picking her up, uh, to drive her to school because I kind of lived in her area and she didn't have a car. And we got talking and uh, started building relationship. And uh, then we got married, but she was still gorgeous, which was a problem because everywhere we went, we, I knew guys were always looking at her. Guys know when someone's checking out their girl, okay? And I saw that all the time. And I was like, so in my heart, I was like always thinking like, you know, Maybe, maybe one day she won't come home. Maybe she'll meet another guy and, you know, call me and say, you know what, uh, you know what, I've moved on. You know, like just those thoughts come, you know, or maybe some other guy will steal her heart, right? And, I'm, you know, you're thinking that way. But you know what, as I got to know her in the first years of marriage, first year specifically, and got to converse with her and hear her heart and learn about her character and her, her integrity and how she views me and and, and we talk about how we view each other. I got to a place where I didn't think about it. I did, I, I, trust was developed. And, and, and faith was developed. 
I had trust that she wasn't going to run off. I had faith. And then she began to develop that in my life to a point where we just trusted each other. And that's what prayer is. Sometimes it's good to read through the Psalms to see a guy who's very raw with the Lord and says, like, talks to God like he's his best friend. God, you know what? Life sucks, and I'm angry with this person. I know I'm not supposed to be angry with this person, but I want to cut their head off. But you know what? You know, I know you're with me. And he, he was real, and God was real back with him, and a relationship was developed that created intimacy so that they could go deeper. So then he had the courage and trust and faith to stand up against a man who's three feet taller and a warrior by trade and take him out with a slingshot and a stone because he had faith and confidence in a God that he spent time with. And my encouragement to you guys today and to myself is in this season, let's really get to pray and seeking his face because God is moving and God wants you to be giant killers. He wants all of us to be able to stand up and trust that he's there for us. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. Amen? Father, I thank you for... Uh, Every person here, every person that's sitting on the live stream, um, you love us so much. Jesus said, my Father himself loves you. And Father, you love us. And I thank you, God, that in this next season, that this week, God, we want to make time to pray, to humble ourselves, and to seek your face. And as we do that, Lord, if there are sin issues in our life, we know we're going to repent of them, and they're going to fall to the side. Our focus is you. Our focus is, God, we want to know you. We want to, we want to focus on you. So, God, I pray that this recipe of revival will become part of our lifestyle at a new measure. In Jesus' name, I pray for every person here, God, uh, if there's any affliction or stress or trouble they're going through this week, that they can go to you in the secret place, and you will meet them there, and you will strengthen them, encourage them, deliver them. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you're listening to us by live stream or if you're in this place and you say, I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I've never made a decision to follow Christ. I want you to know this. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the first step is humbling ourselves and say, you know what? Yeah, I have sinned. I do feel guilty about some of the things I've done. But the good news is that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins. And all we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and say, would you come and forgive me and cleanse me and wash me? And so just with every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's anybody in this place, you want to make a decision today to have your sins washed away and to have a relationship with God, just slip your hands up right now. I'm looking for hands. If there's anybody lifting their hands. Okay, I see your hand over there. Okay, I see another hand. Okay, I know there's people online, you're lifting your hands. Okay, I want, let's all pray this together. Let's join with those who want to say this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you for loving me enough to do this. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me and to wash me and come live in me. I want my body to be your temple. So come live in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some people, let's give a hand to those that said that for the first time. That's awesome. <laughs> Praise God. And you know what? We used to, you know, the, in church, we used to always 
get people to say that prayer, but we'd make them come to the front, in front of everybody. But you know what? And sometimes that's okay. I, I'm good with that. Um, but it's between you and God. But what you need to do now is if you said that for the first time, come and tell somebody in the church or somebody and say, hey, I gave my heart to Jesus. So it's a public confession because that's very, very important. Amen? Well, listen, you guys have an amazing week. I hope you got something out of that. And enjoy the weather. God bless. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.